Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly, and we needed some time to lick our wounds after a second straight season of the Nitty Lions starting 5-0, and then putting up a total letdown game when we needed it most, and I think letdown is putting it lightly there. Losing to Michigan last week, falling to number 16 in the AP poll, which is Pretty generous, as you said before the show. Only down six spots, was, which I think is a testament to how good Michigan actually is. Much more on that game, more. And the much-hyped whiteout game versus Minnesota. But before all that, we're going to head around the trenches. Obviously, the biggest news, I think, out of the Big Ten was Michigan showing that they're an absolute force even with a QB change. Uh, I thought it was weird that, so Ohio's number two, Michigan's number four. I thought it was kind of weird, even, I mean, Ohio State was off, so they couldn't do anything. But I thought for at least this week, they should be full-flopped, right? Yeah, the way they do the AP poll, it's some it, it's very it's hard to kind of gauge because a lot of vote, some voters do it where what have you done for me lately you know truly what teams have you played and others are voting based on where they think teams will end up ultimately between those two teams unless something crazy happens it's likely going to come down to the game at the end of the year and they'll settle it then and there but it it, it does seem odd it seems like Michigan should probably you know, be in that number two spot, but yeah, moving up. Number, it all comes down two. to who who's voting and how they vote, or even number. Yeah, just just at least one one spot ahead of Ohio State because they were off yeah. just for the week. Yeah. Other news around the trenches, aka the Big Ten, Minnesota lost their second straight game. We'll talk more about them, but Davey, what did you see other than the travesty? In Ann Arbor. So just one point about the travesty. So interesting little scuffle at halftime. So Michigan oh, Stadium yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Ann Arbor. Uh, very odd setup, old school setup, where there's one tunnel in and out to the field. So especially at halftime, depending on how the game's going, both those teams are going to mingle together as they're heading to their respective locker rooms. And there was some some drawing uh, don't didn't get the full script of what was said, but I'm sure it wasn't PG uh, between the two schools. Franklin was involved trying to get his team out of there to the locker room. Franklin even made some comments after the game and this past week about how that needs to change. But, uh, you know, college football is going to have traditions. Each stadium is going to be different. And ultimately, if you don't like what's being said to you, you know, don't go out there and get your ass whooped by Michigan 41-17. And, that score was a lot closer than it should have been. Probably should have been probably about 52, 59 to 10, call it. <laughs> I was about to say the, that exact, but I, I, yeah, no, I agree. Keep the tradition of the same tunnel. You know, if you can't, can't hang losing a halftime, you're not gonna be able to be come back and beat them in the second half. There's some yeah, it's, like, it's like Iowa with uh, the pink locker rooms for the opposing team. If you don't like it, Go in there, whoop their ass, and can it? Does that work? Pink locker. Like, no. As soon as you see it, you know it's going on. So the psychological warfare is over. It's like, 
I know they put, I know they made this pink to try to get in my head. So I'm not going to let it, you know, never understood that. Another thing, another knock on Iowa has a reason why I hate them. Another thing that I had was just the Big Ten West and how it's kind of unfolding. Purdue, surprisingly, having a sharp season after dropping that opener to us, sitting at, sitting pretty at 5-2 and two with just, other than us, just that crazy loss in the Carrier Dome to Syracuse. But keeping pace with Illinois. So the, the clear favorite for the West the past few years has been Michigan. Michigan State, Wisconsin, but looking like we're going to have a different candidate coming out of the West this year, at least. Headed to Lucas Oil, Illinois, but the Illini and Purdue holding it down on the West, on the West side. Illini, they're number 18, I believe, correct? Yeah, and rolling. And the, yeah, they, so they play Illinois, Purdue play three weeks from now. Yep. On November 12th, Ohio State, Michigan, obviously November 26th, last game of the season. So, yeah, it seems like a four-horse race for the Big Ten title. And then I think, obviously, the East has the advantage in the game in Indy. But back to your point, we said we weren't going to talk about Michigan, but just have to bring this up. Just, yeah, it it was a miracle that we were even in that game at halftime. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I wrote it down. So, our first... In the first half, four drives, first two or three and outs, six plays, 14 total yards. Michigan's first two drives, 24 plays, 141 total yards, but only six points because we held them stout in the red zone. Our next drive was a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive with 62 of those yards coming on the uh, Clifford rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the field. <laughs> Fastest man alive. And then the interception, the bang, bang, boom, felt like, uh, have you seen non OT movie? Yeah. Announcer where it was like, bang, bang, boom, what <laughs> yeah. the hell just happened? I feel like that on that <laughs> interception. But yeah, it was just like, the writing was on the wall at halftime, but there was just a little hope that something might happen. And we even took the lead, 17-16 in the second half. So there was a little hope there. But I'm channeling my inner Bill Belichick here. We're on to Minnesota. We're on to Minnesota. We're on to Minnesota. Can't really really do Bill. (laughs) Yeah, it's a tough one. (laughs) But we're on to Minnesota and one of the greatest environments in all of college football Actually, all sports, I would argue. The Penn State whiteout game. The Golden Golfers come to Happy Valley for the 2022 whiteout game, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. State is four-point favorites. The over-under is set at 44.5. A little betting tidbit before we get into this game. The home team in the series over the last seven years. Five and two straight up, six and one against the spread, with the last three straight being wins and covers for the home team. So that is pointing to good stuff for state. Yeah. But as I mentioned earlier, injuries have been hitting Minnesota hard. Dropped two straight games after beating 
Michigan State 34-7, I think was the final score, at Spartan Stadium to put them to 4-0. October 1st, I don't know what week that was, but October 1st, they lost 20-10 at home to the team previously mentioned, Purdue, but they didn't have Mo Ibrahim. Ibrahim or Ibrahim? I've heard it both ways. I think it's Ibrahim. Ibrahim, yeah. That's, pretty, that's how it's spelled. I'll just go with that. Ibrahim did not play in that game against Purdue. They lost Tanner Morgan, basically their Sean Clifford. 18 of 33 that game for a total of 257 passing yards, no touchdowns, three picks against the vaunted Purdue defense, who's just been allowing passing yards, pass touchdowns left and right this season. They head into their bye week and then come out of that bye week, lose to Illinois, who's honestly on fire, 26-14. Tanner Morgan got injured midway through the third, uh, got hit in the head on a rush, got taken out with concussions, with which are obviously under the microscope now with the whole to a situation in Miami. I think that's bleeding over college football as well. But before that, he was 4-12 for 21 yards. No touchdowns again, but did manage to throw an interception before leaving the game. Uh, not to rat on him too much, college kid. He had six rushes for 23 yards on a touchdown. But I don't know what his status is for this week. All I saw was questionable head. So I'm not sure how tough they're going to take this concussion protocol given everything that's happened in football this year but what are you thinking of his status for saturday night yeah it's hard to tell college obviously a little bit different from the nfl where you're getting shifty tweets and constant updates on whether the guys are practicing or not college depending on the school they keep it a little bit more ho-hum nick saban will tell you straight up how a guy's trending but school each school is different so depending on how Minnesota handles it, my my thoughts are be it's probably going to come down to pregame warmups because I don't think they want to give Penn State any sort of edge uh, in regards to who's going to be taking snaps under center. So I think it'll I think it'll lead right up to just about kickoff. Yeah, well, does he would have to pass the test right before? I believe so, but I don't Saturday, know Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. I would assume. Yeah, I, I just don't know by NCA standards or rules if they require that to be public or not. Um, yeah. I would think they would, but again, depending on the school, they might not want to re- you know release that information. But so I, I think it'll come down to to Saturday. We'll probably hear Saturday morning uh, whether he's got the green light or not. And then I was also hearing rumors that uh, Drew Aller might start. Is that is there any truth to that at all, or is that just my buddy's talking shit? Not according to Franklin's comments. So he had his weekly presser this week after practice, and obviously getting the Aller questions now with uh, with a blemish on the record, right? If you're rolling, you're undefeated. Then hey, keep going with him. But now you got a loss, right? So and you're yeah. still still got the season in front of you. Still a lot to play for still technically competing for that big East spot in the title game, also playing for a new year six, but also got to think for the future, 
right? So what's the best way to get your get Drew Aller, who is the future, more reps and more valuable experience? Uh, talking about a, a whiteout game and as as a true freshman, but Franklin kind of neglected those comments and said basically that Sean's deserving of being the starter right now, even though probably half or maybe three quarters of the fan base would scoff or did scoff at those comments, especially looking at cliff stats last week, you know, seven and 19, 120 yards. And as we said before, the definition of he is what he is. I would err on the side of, Hey, let's, let's put drew in there and see what, what he can do against Minnesota. But all things are pointing towards it's going to be Sean under center, at least, at least from the get go. I think I'm going to side with the the one quarter that is back in Clifford, just because I think it. As fans, we can obviously obviously say stats are stats. This guy's sucking. He's keeping us down, but we're not in that locker room. You don't know what taking Sean Clifford's starting job away is going to do to the like he I mean he could be like a Jalen Hurst type where he takes it takes it on the chin helps Aller as much as possible to be the best player possible but you like I just feel like that the guys in that locker room have so much respect for Clifford that it's just no matter he would have to have like a five interception led game I feel like for them to move on from him this year sadly just because Drew Aller is a true freshman I don't know what the limit is for the amount of snaps or playing time to redshirt, but they might want to keep him. He's already burned. He's already burned it. Burned through that. Okay. So yeah, him, Carter, and Zane Durant, I believe, have all burned their burned their redshirts. So I just think, I think there's more to it than what we see from a fan's perspective. I think there's more to it in the locker room. But that being said. I can see where three quarters of the fan base is coming from. And if the season just goes to shit down the toilet, like it did last season, why not throw Allen in for the last like three games or whatever, you know? I yeah. Like I would, I would I be very down. curious. It's not like you, we would ever get it, but like some sort of poll of like what side the players are on. I think that would be pretty interesting to see, you know, who's in favor of Allen, who's in favor. Obviously yeah, they're, they're right, everyone's teammates, sure right? So they're, like, yeah, you know they're they're teammates, so they're going to support whoever is there. But you know, being I think you probably have a few guys in that locker room that, like a lot of the fans, are hey, I think we need to try something else. But you know, again, as we've said, Frank, I don't think Franklin's going to pull pull the plug on this one here. But the the scenario you're in is the exact scenario as last year. And what you don't want to have happen here is this thing spirals out of control and you find yourself at the end of the year, looking at a six and five, seven and five record again, they still have a lot to play for and a lot to gain from this season. The goal should still be 11 wins, uh, at least 10 or 11 wins. You got a couple tough ones coming up here, obviously Minnesota this week and Ohio state, but you can't know, find yourself in a scenario where this thing spirals out of control for the third year in a row. So that's that's the pressure behind these decisions from Franklin. And it's going to be interesting to see if Clifford goes out, you know, God forbid, this Saturday and has another dud. 
is there some more pressure or some more flames under his seat where he's he's got to move on from the guy? But yeah, that's to be seen. I know there's not a lot of guys in close corner right now, but I'm gonna be one of them until the wheels fall off. But speaking of the wheels falling off, if Tanner Morgan cannot go Saturday night, Minnesota will probably, I didn't check their entire depth chart, but they're probably going to go with redshirt freshman. Check this name out. Ethan, with an A, Ethan, Kalik Manis. Kalik, Kalik Manis, definitely Greek, who filled in for Tanner Morgan. Um Against Illinois, he went two of six, 17 passing yards, 5.8 quarterback rating. Didn't know that was even possible. To get Single that digits, low. that's rough. I think if you throw it, or maybe it's pass rating. If you throw it in the dirt, it's like a 33 point something pass rating. Yeah. So he got worse than just literally chucking it into the ground every time he got a snap in a passing situation but the main focus i think of the minnesota offense they're extremely run heavy 20, 259 rushing attempts to only 145 passing attempts some other podcasts were saying that their offense was better than us like maybe on paper but no chance i think the only guy we really have to worry about is Mo Ibrahim, who last week against Illinois went for 127 rushing yards on a touchdown, his 14th straight game with 100 plus rushing yards. So after giving up 418, I think it was total. Yeah. Michigan. Yikes. <laughs> yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> Not looking forward to seeing Ibrahim, Ibrahim at all. At all. No, and it's it's got to start with the linebacking core. They were completely absent last week. I, for me personally, I thought Abdul Carter should have been out there more. And the trend seems to be that it comes down to where he's spelling guys, where it's you know Jacobs takes a breather and Carter's in there. Really, it needs to be Jacobs and Carter out there, even yes. if they got to shift some of their roles up. But you got to get your best playmakers on the field. But that linebacking core, obviously the, the the defensive line plays a part in that as well, but the linebacking core has got to be better this week. You know, Minnesota's like you like you mentioned, huge star at, at tailback position, averaging 227 yards per game at 16th in the nation. So you know what the, that's their identity. The, they don't pass the ball particularly well. You got to if Morgan goes, he's experienced, just like we said, uh, Cliff is. But you know they're going to run the ball. You didn't do so hot last week. So what are you going to change this week to make sure that that doesn't happen again? Yeah. Heat going back to Michigan, going against my word that we're on in Minnesota. But we had 12 missed tackles on running plays to their one. Quorum had uh, eight missed tackles forced. Donovan Edwards had four. Mm-hmm. So, Ibrahim and Mayan Williams are fifth and sixth in the nation with 28 and 26 missed tackles forced this season with only five games played and the four above them 
at seven. So not good. And then another startling stat. I just got to get this off my chest. So PFF does this uh, rushing direction rushing direction tracker. Mm-hmm. So between the tackles, this was our biggest fear coming into the season was losing the trenches. Between the tackles, Michigan had 233 of their 418 total rushing yards between the tackles. That's over 55%. And they just continued to exploit that over 53% of their total carries going right down Broad Street or Beaver Avenue, I guess. (laughs) And over eight and a half yards per carry carry through the A gaps, A or B gaps. So just absolutely demolished up front. Really, really hoping that doesn't happen again. Because if it does, we're looking at a very close game, possibly a loss, second straight loss. Because Mo Ibrahim is the real deal. He can take over a game. College football's like college basketball, one of those sports where you've you've one good player on offense, he can totally break a game open. Yeah, and especially with the, just this matchup, obviously it's the the whiteout game, so it's the mecca and the the prime spot in the season to be at Beaver Stadium. But with both these teams, the way it was shaping up was looking like potentially knowing the Michigan game was going to be a tough game as it was, but this potentially being a a battle of two undefeateds. Uh, Minnesota coming off two straight losses, Penn State coming off a loss and facing, like I said, same scenario as last year where you don't want this to get out of control. These two teams are going to, both itching to get a win here and Minnesota they're even with those two straight losses they're not going to come in and lay it down and die and put the season down they're they're going to come in they're going to continue to do what they do best and they're going to give Penn State their best fight so really 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 need a hoping that they had a strong week of practice and Manny Diaz Franklin and staff are making the necessary adjustments and reviewing that god awful film it's definitely not a tape where you just get rid of it and move on there. Michigan exposed them and yes. showed a lot of their yeah. flaws. So they need to review that film. And I'm sure they did as painful as it was, but they, they got to make the adjustments. This is why they're getting paid the big bucks, but they, they got to show us something different on Saturday. So, yeah, I think on offense, Minnesota is very much one dimensional. You stop, low, you stop the golden Gophers. Looking up their defensive stats, they have a tremendous defense up there in Minnesota. Mm. So rushing, they give up 104.5 yards on the ground. Good for 20th in the FBS and have allowed only three rushing touchdowns this entire season. That's That was crazy to me. So led by two upperclassmen, um, an interior defensive lineman, Joel Carter, 6'2", 300 pounds. Massive guy on that uh, inside of the D-line, place of nose tackle. And then their linebacker slash edge hybrid, Thomas Rush, who's 6'3", 250 pounds. He's second on the team with nine quarterback pressures this year and one sack. And then also on that awesome D-line that's, stuffing opponents rushing games besides last week chase brown went 
believe for over 100 yards. 43 carries, Chase Brownson. Nah, that's crazy. That was just all rushes. So those two upperclassmen, they also have two redshirt sophomores, Danny Strigow, 6'5", 250. He's opposite of Thomas Rush, leads the team in sacks with three. And then Jod Joyner, 6'2", 300 pounds. He's more of a pure defensive end, lines up three-point stance on the line. He leads the team in quarterback pressures with 10. So... Michigan's offensive line def- or defensive line exposed our offensive line for sure. And it seems like their power comes from their interior. So big game for Drew Scruggs, Wormley, all the guys on the inside, and Olu on the outside because these Ed rushers are no joke. Yeah, going to be curious. I know we were talking about the injury report before for Minnesota, but for Penn State as well, uh, Tangwall, Landon Tangwall did not go last week. He got injured in pregame warmups. So Norzad got thrown in there. So Tangwall, you know, he's had his ups and, ups and downs, but he's been pretty solid at that left guard spot for the year. Mm-hmm. So knowing Penn State, you're talking about how teams and how they disperse information. You're not going to get anything from Franklin. So going to be interesting to see if he's ready to go for this week because that's going to be a key piece not just starting at left guard but to add to that depth because they're going to need like you mentioned that o-line to be ready to go for that interior because yeah i think a lot of it's going to be a obviously a very hype energetic environment in the whiteout i think the script of the first couple plays is going to be have to be run the ball kind of settle everyone down and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need guys like Tangwall to be in there mm-hmm. just to get that push because we didn't have it against Michigan at all. No, they're past. Yeah, and then just oh. a couple other sorry, a couple other notes too defense wise. So with that strong interior, they've only got nine sacks on the year, so they mm-hmm. they are getting pressures on the quarterback, but not quite getting all the way home. So some hope there, and then net turnover margin for Minnesota's the or Minnesota as a team is at zero. So another key opportunity here, if you win the turnover battle, especially in a whiteout, if you get that crowd going, Zombie Nation after a nice pick or a fumble recovery, that's going to be key to get the momentum in this ball game. So need to get back to forcing those turnovers like we were leading up to that Michigan game. Yeah, I think between their two quarterbacks over the last two games, so Morgan had three, one, and then and Kalik Manis, two, so six over the last two games, six interceptions. So yeah. definitely due for some takeaways, as is the Minnesota passing defense. Again, these stats astounded me. They have veteran veterans all across the secondary, very talented. They allow 159.2 yards through the air and only four passing touchdowns all season. So four passing touchdowns allowed all season, three rushing touchdowns allowed all season. That's nuts. That's crazy, yeah. That blew my mind. So they're led by outside cornerback Terrell Smith and safety duo Jordan Howden and Tyler Newbin, who also play in the slot and are second and third on the team in tackle. So they can also play in the box, come up, stuff the run. Their most targeted secondary player is 
sophomore Justin Wally. Love that last name. Who plays the opposite corner spot across from Terrell Smith, but he's really held his own as a true sophomore. This whole this whole defense really has. Mm-hmm. Pulling up their cover chats right now. So Wally's been thrown out 28 times. Good for 10 yards a catch, 17 catches, 170 yards. One pick, no touchdowns. And only one penalty in coverage. Safeties, when they line up in the corner spot, they can be exploited, but they have... So they have this guy, Beanie Bishop, who was... I think he was Western Kentucky. I want to say he was Western Kentucky. Same with Mm -hmm. uh, Tinsley, who's playing slot. And I think his his snaps have gone down. (laughs) Looking at his... Coverage stats, 11 targets is thrown his way. He's allowed eight catches for 87 yards and a touchdown with the penalty in coverage. So they've been throwing this guy, Michael Dixon, Jr., I believe, mm-hmm. who is only allowed 51 yards in coverage in the slot, two pass breakups. But they are thin. They have some of those safeties coming out and having to play slot. And I do think, even though he's put up good numbers so far this season, I think Justin Wally is the mark this week. I think we can exploit him with Mitchell Tinsley, who's surprisingly the team's leading target receiver this year. Yeah, he's definitely quickly become Tron Clifford's go-to guy. And then just a note on Minnesota's D, P.J. Fleck has done a really nice job recruiting in his time at Minnesota's. The, not especially as a whole defense, but especially in that secondary and producing NFL caliber guys, right? You look at Antoine yeah. Winfield Jr. on the Buccaneers. So he recruits very well, and they always, always have a really tough defense. So it's always a tough test. I mean, what were your thoughts on those numbers? Like, I had to, I literally had to double-check them on, like, two different sites just to be like, they have a lot of th- – Three rushing touchdowns and four passing touchdowns all year. Crazy. So, yeah, some of it, I think, is due to the – or a little bit in, could yeah. potentially be inflated from their, their early schedule in those teams that they were playing against where they were blowing the doors off, New Mexico State, and I think it was Western Illinois. And, State Unders. <laughs> and Colorado or Colorado State. But – not, not to knock what they've accomplished, what they've done, and the talent that they have there, but when you're feasting on, you know, the sisters of the poor at the beginning of the season, those numbers are going to look a little prettier. But definitely wouldn't just you know glance over them because of the opponents. They're they're only only twenty allowed to Purdue though, who yep. we've talked okay. about high flying offense, and then mm-hmm. you had twenty six last week against Illinois, yep. but only seven to the Sparties. Mm. Yeah, they are solid. For their, uh, for their downward trend. So we are definitely going to be putting this game in week eight of the greatest betting competition on planet Earth, the Big Ten betting bonanza.
week number eight of the Big Ten betting bonanza, and I'm questioning why I'm even still in the competition. It's getting pretty ugly out there for me. We're going to recap week number seven. Dave, man on fire. Perfect week last week. Three and oh. If you're not following this pick, start following him and make some money. Make some beer money. He hit on the over of 61.5 in Maryland, Indiana. Despite it being 17-14 at halftime. Well, that's 30. Nah, I guess that's pretty much on par. I don't know why yeah, we're at that Illinois, you had them plus six and a half, and they won outright, so you could have had a plus five there in terms of bonanza play, play points. Play to save. Play so to save. Yep, play to save with the huge lead that you have. <laughs> don't bring that up. We don't bring that up. I was also on that game. I was on – what was I on that game? Under, I think. Yeah, 39 and a half. The points. And guess yeah. what it was? 40. 40. <laughs> of course. Vegas, man. That, that's me. That's me. I think I need to go back and check. <laughs> that can't be the first time I've lost by 0.5. Because I've had this feeling before. <laughs> and then you hit Nebraska plus 13 and a half. That was my only win as I lost that Illinois under. Hit the over in Nebraska over 50 and a half. And then we won't talk about Penn State money line lots. So on the year, listen to these numbers. Mr. Dave Barron, 13 and five record of 8.75 units. And most importantly, Plus 19 bonanza points. If only those were the only bets I ever make. <laughs> I just need, yeah, I need to, I'm a man of my word. I'll keep placing the bets that I say on the podcast, but I need to place triple when I, on yours just to make up for what I lose. Because <laughs> it's getting out of hand. My fourth straight week going one and two. Only gaining one bonanza point. I lost another one and a half or 1.1 units last week. Bringing my season total, I had a slight error last week. I was seven, seven, and one. So perfectly 500. Now I'm in the dumps. Now I'm in the dumpster. Now I'm the trash man. Eight, 10, and one on the year minus 2.2 units. Eight plus eight bonanza points to Barons plus nineteen. It's over. It is over. I'm so calling a lot of bets. A lot of bets to be made. I'm, call, I'm calling it. Week I'm eight. My, my corner. My corner. Seeing my face getting beat in and thrown in the towel. They're like, end this now. <laughs> but in the spirit of competition, it will go. You it will this. go on. You got this. You got the honors first, my man. All right, first up, I am going to take it easy on me this week. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep or go back to my trend of my point total this week. That'll be the common theme. So Ohio State. Total man, dude. You're the freaking total man. Ohio State versus the Hawkeyes. I'm going to go ahead and take the over 50 here. I think the Buckeyes 
get it by themselves. And uh, maybe Iowa, you know, squeams, squeams a touchdown or somehow, somehow something messed up happens. But I think the Buckeyes could pretty much cover this one by themselves. Yep. That was on my sheet. Uh, yeah, I think Ohio State's going to put up 56 at least yeah. in that game. However, I, I don't know. There was a part of me that wanted to take, for whatever reason, Iowa first half, just because I think they might Ooh. have a little rust or something. But forget that. I'm ice cold. Listen to Dave. <laughs> Again, I do not want to take this bet. I repeat, I do not want to take this bet. Luckily, I'm taking it with the points this time. So Penn State can still win, and I can lose my bet like I probably will. But I'm going to take Penn State minus four in the whiteout. I think that spread's crazy. I think it's a huge overreaction to the beatdown that Michigan put on us. I think Michigan is the real deal. They're the real freaking deal. And they showed it against us. I don't think everyone's quite realized that yet. And I think people are reacting to us just getting our cans whooped by the Wolverines. And just looking at the history in the series, five and two straight up for the home team, six and one against spread, three straight covers and wins for the home team. That would be Penn State in the whiteout. Give me them minus four. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I go? Can I up this to minus six and a half? And Ooh, a little alt line. Give it, and we'll go plus three because it would have been plus one. At, I'll give it to you. I like it. Let's go. I'll take the alt line. Is that our first ever Bonanza alt line? <clears throat> I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. We might have <laughs> done some, we might have done something crazy back. We're pulling out all the stops this year, baby. So that'll be a plus three. That gives more room because yeah. I'm so cold in my bets. That gives more room for Penn State to win within that six and a half. And for me to still lose my bet, which I will. <laughs> yeah. All right, for my, uh, for my second pick, I'm going to stay with that game. And again, stick with the point totals. I'm going to take under. under. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, absolutely no fact or merit-based uh, spitting here, but whiteout games for me tend to be lower scoring, and I think that trend will continue. Do like that six and a half. I think Penn State can win by a touchdown here and should win by a touchdown, but I do think it'll be a lower scoring affair. So under 44 and a half. Yeah, that's, yeah. I was going to double dip in that one. Gosh, <laughs> okay. Recalibrate here. Recalibrate, refocus. So there is a very smelly spread that immediately jumped off my computer when I saw it. Team we have discussed. Purdue, 5-2, and 3-1 in the Big Ten. Going to Camp Randall to face Wisconsin. 3-4, 1-3 in the Big Ten. If I were the odds makers there, I would say Purdue minus three and a half, minus four. Wisconsin's minus two and a half. Mm. Tell me how that makes any sense. That says me, the sports book are begging you, begging you to take Purdue money line. 
Yeah. I'm going contrarian. Give me Wisconsin. Actually, I don't even know what the money totals are. So don't, I'm not a contrarian. I'm just going against what I think <laughs> average Joe would do here. So I'm going Wisconsin <laughs> minus two and a half at home over Purdue. Big upset that will shake up the West that everyone cares so much about. And I think I'll just give the green light to Illinois to really only have to look forward to that Purdue game. Beat them. Yeah. They're going to Indy. So give me Wisconsin minus two and a half. All right, for my last pick, again, going to stay with that game. And I've been liking my Purdue game overs. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Got yeah. lots to pick from. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the over in this one. Over 51. Between the Total man. Total man. Yeah, it's another good one. That was, I had that on my board as well. Hmm. Okay. My last pick. So I got a plus three there. I got a plus one with the Wisconsin. I'm going to go ahead and get crazy. I'm going to go another plus three in the board. Um, Noon game on the Big Ten Network. Indiana's going to Rutgers. And Indiana, I was looking at they played Maryland very tough last week. I believe they only lost by five points. Yeah, 38-33. They're currently on a four-game losing streak. But if you look back to week one, they or it would have been week two for the team they played, I think, Illinois. Mm-hmm. 23-20. So they got a little something there. I'm going to take Indiana money line over the Scarlet Knights in wherever they are, New Jersey. Piscataway. Yeah, there. <laughs> so let's go Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Alrighty. There are the three picks each for week eight of the Big Ten betting bonanza. Again, follow Dave. Probably fade my picks. Definitely fade my picks besides the Penn State one, obviously. <laughs> and obviously, once again, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us talk Penn State football. We're looking forward to bouncing back this week with the big whiteout game. We're hype. I cannot wait for Saturday night. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait for the videos, the HD, awesome photography to come out, slow motion entrances of the tunnel. Can't wait for all that. Very excited. And I think I'm over the Michigan loss. I think it's, it's I think by now I'm over it. I'm recording this on Thursday. Yep. Yep. So I'm I'm over it. Took me solid five days, but I'm over it. I'm over it. Moving so, on, baby. Let's go state. Big whiteout game. And thank you once again for listening. Thanks, guys. Uh-huh.